this week in the parish of bourses and market structure from the great nation that brought us Rousseau and Sartre. Is it a buy or is it a sell? A philosophical dispute afflicts Euronex middleware. In results, after the joy of Nasdaq, a week of gloom until ice raised the profitable mood. Meanwhile, the world's largest ant is heading for a slew of records in the public markets. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. And finally, a word in the midst of a very, very frantic week of engagement, we're coming to you live from a wonderful ballroom in the centre of Valletta. Over in Big World, the 0816 Intercity Express train from Lockdown Central to Temporary Desk is now arriving at Platform 2, just beside the printer. In other words, in Big World this week, model railway brand Hornby have returned to profit on a lockdown boom. When it comes to Euronext, is it a buy? Is it a sell? Oh man, this is way too complex. That was the headline we appended to a Euronext story of the week. The Financial Times' Phil Stafford rightly tweeted that it was one of the strangest exchange communications he'd ever seen, which I think was putting it very, very diplomatically indeed. Essentially, the Euronext exchange had a bit of a data handling error. They couldn't tell buy from sell. It strikes me that could be regarded as most fundamentally blatant failing of an exchange to do its core function. That might be getting a bit closer to the descriptive mark compared to Phil Stafford's diplomatic comments, as in, define an exchange. Well, I would define it as we match buyers and sellers as a neutral venue. Therefore, we could define Euronext on the past week's evidence as we're a user-neutral lucky dip, where we'll execute trades based around your orders, but we reserve the right to randomly deliver buys as sells, and vice versa, all with a Gallic trademark shrug, because middleware. Indeed, given the fact that previous in the week I was discussing was it Middle Earth or Middleware that was the problem of the shutdown at Euronext, that triumphant acquisition of Borsa Italiana seems, well, so very last year, with this latest confirmation that discerning buy or sell is inherently tricky for one of Europe's leading stock exchange groups. Anybody who ever donned a yellow jacket on the old floor of, say, Life or Matif in Paris, wherever they were in past decades, they can readily confirm the operational complexity, even during open outcry. I mean, it used to be two separate boxes, whole inches apart on a sheet of paper with one to be ticked. Hashtag stressful binary or what? Luckily, Euronext are not in Japan, otherwise they would now be facing endless ritual humiliation for weeks on end. As a cheaper alternative to accelerate understanding of these somewhat conflicting but interrelated terms of trade, I can recommend some former floor trading bosses who could come over to Paris and offer hairdryer management until Euronext can discern buy from sell. True, these figures, these consultants as it were, might not even speak recognisable English to the sophisticated anarch esthetes of La Défense, 
but I could believe they will manage to make their points clear enough, even though an Essex-centric language barrier may have to be circumvented with a few descriptive hand signals. That brings us to results. All the results were in Exchange Invest this week, but let's pick a few. I was going to say highlights, but actually, we really need to kick off with a slew of lowlights. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Oh dear, what an earnings miss. Quite spectacular. Everywhere you look, there's volatility. Things like grains, which traditionally the Chicago Board of Trade traded very, very well. They're actually pretty much at record highs, and yet CME volumes are flatlining. It's really funny how what looks simple on the whiteboard has an issue when it comes to meet real life. Thus, of course, TPICAP. They had a message of, all we have to do is reduce personnel overheads and EBITDA will explode. That lies in a heaving mass of silted ineptitude. Meanwhile, over at CME, the message there has long been, we just have to keep the ship on autopilot and milk the monopoly. Now, that appears not to be sufficiently long-term to be, well, a full career strategy, as I imagine its architects hoped. In essence, the CME strategy has now been proven to be penny-wise and billions foolish. Equally over at Deutsche Börse, quarterly net profit down 9%, missing forecasts. Hmm. As per CME, DB1 exude a lax strategy and it shows template. An outbreak of management would be very, very welcome. No better news in India, MCX there, they reported a net profit drop of over 18%, while the London Stock Exchange's profitability was generally flatlining. At least the LSEG told us something that we absolutely knew was going to be the case anyway. The takeover of Refinitiv, that dire deal, will be delayed until at the earliest the first quarter of next year. Elsewhere in deals, the Nigerian Stock Exchange, they're looking for approval to list their shares next month. And following their recent acquisition of TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab are planning to lay off 1,000 employees as they make that shuffle from the West Coast somewhat inland that we've been talking about recently towards Texas. Elsewhere in China, there's a merger mooted. The Shenzhen Bourse is going to merge its main bourse with the upstart that supplanted it, effectively taking the SME board and implanting that into the overall larger stock exchange. New markets. We had a bumper week of new market announcements. I'm going to cherry pick two that we had. Of course, all the details were in the Exchange Invest newsletter this week. First up, Memex, the members exchange. That's finally gone fully live, offering another alternative for those who wish to trade US equities. Over in the Middle East, the Dubai Crown Prince Hamdan bin Mohammed launched the Nasdaq growth market for SMEs. Of course, if you're looking for some reading during lockdown, you may well be, of course, a victim of a new second wave lockdown. It's not too late, ladies and gentlemen. Get yourself the book of the summer, the book of the year for fintech, victory or death, blockchain, cryptocurrency and the fintech world, which could prove to be not so much a lifesaver in COVID-19 sense, but certainly a career saver. 70,000 words of pure play, PLY pith, pacily discussing matters of moment and revisiting the original trailblazing first fintech bestseller capital market revolution. It's a binary world out there, ladies and gentlemen. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of the digital world. Hence the title, Victory or Death, lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance in which we are living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, why don't you check out our live stream? IPO-vid is available on YouTube 
as well as going live on LinkedIn and Facebook. Our latest guest was the brilliant exchange entrepreneur Alistair Haynes talking about subscription models and more from the CEO's office of the Aquas Exchange Group. In Cryptoland this week, spot a cynicism coming in. Finance magnets ran a story. Are Bitcoin holders losing trust in crypto exchanges? Actually, what they said, of course, was using the deep down with the kids language, RBTC hodlers losing trust in crypto exchanges. The point they make is that the total number of Bitcoins pledged at exchanges has been steadily declining since March the 12th, 13th of this year. Now, let's just recount a few headline items while that might be. One of the world's leading exchanges, Binance, nobody actually knows where they're based. BitMEX are doing their bit for the Vietnamese orange jumpsuit textile exporters to the United States of America, amongst other jurisdictions. And OKEX currently have, at least as far as I'm aware at the time of recording this podcast, at least one founder currently incarcerated and have also suspended actually giving people their bitcoins back. Even in a hyperbull market, which no longer really applies to crypto, one might be inclined to feel the above issues impinge on the outlook for the product set just a little bit. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Product news this week. Well, it's a frenzy, whether you're on the Chinese mainland or in Hong Kong, the special administrative region. Lots of investors looking forward to what is going to be apparently a 34 or 35 billion dollar raise from the Ant Group IPO, smashing records in the process. Indeed, the South China Morning Post noted banks and brokers are offering a record amount of 39 billion dollars in margin loans for the Ant IPO alone. Great to see Water Futures finally on track. The CME Group have announced December the 7th for the launch of the NASDAQ Vela's California Water Index Future. Technology news this week. Sad news. Once again from the Australian Stock Exchange, their blockchain-based chess replacement has now been pushed back to installation date expected April 2023. Yes, that's April 2023. And we're currently in October 2020. That, in other words, means it's an update to replace the antiquated ASX Chess T plus 2 system, which is now going to be T plus 24. That's T plus 24 months overdue. And self-evidently, the whole system is taking little short of T plus forever to install with an option on the, well, what can only be hashtag never-ending story. The lack of action by the regulators at what is now a profound national embarrassment for this creaking ASX monopoly is, to put it mildly, noteworthy. Australia needs competition in settlement. Elsewhere, the ritual humiliation of the Tokyo Stock Exchange continues with regulators beginning on-site inspections at the Tokyo Bourse after that highly embarrassing outage of a couple of weeks ago. Thing is, I fear the Japanese authorities may be shooting themselves in the foot here, for if they're not careful, they risk appearing overzealous in a way which may dissuade their charm offensive to attract other parties to the financial centre of Japan itself, with this show of strength on JPX. Elsewhere, one embarrassing fall over this week was the Colombian Stock Exchange, which had a data centre outage, which closed down business operations last Friday. 
One happy piece of technology news to finish this week's update. The Colombo Stock Exchange in Sri Lanka, they have been able to run their exchange remotely during the COVID-19 curfew affecting the Sri Lankan state. In People News, Joji Okada has been appointed a governor of JPX regulation. Meanwhile, the top cop, as the Wall Street Journal put it, the man who runs the New York Stock Exchange's in-house regulatory unit, Anthony Albanese, is heading to the Silicon Valley venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, who've got a big interest in the future of the crypto economy. Elsewhere in Malta, the boss of the Malta Financial Supervision Authority, Joseph Kuscheri, is under pressure to resign, following a sad tale where the discredited former Maltese government has ended up seeing an effective bureaucrat being rendered untenable due to his accepting all manner of exciting trips to Las Vegas, no less, with a man currently awaiting trial for the murder of one of Malta's leading journalists. That sadly looks like being a position as boss of a regulatory agency, an ESMA national regulatory agency, no less, which is going to result in Mr. Kuscheri's being rendered untenable. Indeed, also, he sits as a Maltese representative on the supervisory board of the European Central Bank. I don't think that's a viable look for the long term, despite his management abilities. In case you missed it, the 1MDB debacle, which delivered, amongst other things, the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, and many concomitant murky financial dealings, which could have been seen in The Wolf of Wall Street, saw Goldman Sachs being fired pretty much record amounts in a dazzling array of jurisdictions last week. Elsewhere, we're heating up. This is the last Exchange Invest weekly podcast before the American elections. Not going to make any prophecies or predictions, but one thing that is interesting on the prediction markets and in the gambling markets, finally, there is more money on Biden, but actually a lot more bets on Trump. Who knows where that's going to end up come next Tuesday evening, November the 3rd. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this, the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, number 69, with me, Patrick L. Young. Have a great week in markets and catch up with you in the newsletter Exchange Invest during the week. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.